Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we're going to be talking a little about influencing yield right now in cornfields. Now, let's say you don't raise corn. Many of the things we're going to talk about today would apply to just about any crop out there. We'll especially get into weed control, insects to look for, diseases, fertility. There are a lot of things that can be done to impact yield right now in corn and in all crops. So that's our topic for today. If you've got any questions for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's happening on your farm, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or you can find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, or Brian Hefty. All right, so my brother Darren's out traveling a little bit today and uh, I'm sure looking at a lot of fields along his way. I don't think he's going to be able to join us during the show, but I I, I just got off the phone with him a little bit ago and this yield thing in corn is a really big deal because of the prices that we have. Now you can look at this one of two ways and you can say, well, even if I don't have a whole lot of yield, I'm going to have a tremendous amount of gross income on my farm. I agree with you. You should. I mean, looking at what the crop prices are today. But the way I look at it is, I got the chance to hit the home run on our farm. If we have tremendous yield, or like in the case of uh, a lot of our, our corns going to end up going for silage to a local dairy. Actually, I was uh, just a, an aside here. I was talking to somebody the other day about hail, and I said, I'm really worried about hail, and I know I shouldn't worry, okay? So worrying usually gets you nowhere and makes you all upset about nothing. But anyway, I just had made the comment, I'm, I'm, I'm just concerned about hail this year because we have so much potential to make money on the farm. And, I mean, we're going to do everything we possibly can to raise higher yields, and so we'll get into that here in just a minute. But I said, I feel pretty good because a bunch of our acres are going to go for silage. Well, they're going to get cut like two months before we would actually harvest the corn or 45 days, let's call it, before we would harvest the grain. So at least for a bunch of our stuff, um, we'll, we'll get it out earlier so I have a little less risk. But anyway, in terms of influencing yield right now, I mentioned weeds, insects, diseases, fertility. The fertility thing is probably the one that I'm thinking the most about this year for a couple of reasons. One, we had a drought for like two years in a row until just recently here, we finally started to get some decent rains. Well, going into this season, we had all kinds of carryover nitrogen. Now, if you didn't soil test your ground and you're just assuming, well, I had beans last year, I probably had 40 pounds of nitrogen left. Well, in some of our fields, we had 40 pounds. We also had some fields that had 140 pounds. And then we had some other fields that had way more than that. So my point here is you may have more nitrogen out in your field than you think. Now, on the flip side, we have seen excessive rainfall in some areas. And certainly if you have light soil, then you're at tremendous risk for that nitrogen leaching out of the ground. And don't forget, sulfur and boron are also leachable. And potassium is to some degree, too, if you had really light soil and lots of rainfall. So here's my suggestion for you. Before you say, okay, I don't need any in or I do need some more nitrogen, just run some soil tests. That's what we're going to be doing in our farm coming up here probably next week. 
we'll pull these pre-side dress nitrate tests. And if you don't normally do that, I would just say, I would encourage you, and you can do whatever you want, obviously, but I would encourage you to look at it differently than normal soil test. So normally in the fall, when we go out, we get complete tests. So we're, we're looking at base saturation and organic matter, soil pH, and all this stuff. And it costs... Um, let's call it ten, in the ten to twelve dollar range. Well, you can get a straight nitrate test for five bucks. Five bucks. It doesn't cost much money. But anyway, here's my point. Usually, people are doing six inch soil tests. So, in other words, you're you're probing down in the soil six inches deep. With these preset dress nitrate tests, we're doing twenty four inch cores. And you might say, "Whoa, that's really deep." Well. If you haven't dug around in your field a little bit, I'd encourage you to do so. Now, unless you've got a, a real hard pan that's limiting your roots from getting down to 24 inches, I'm guessing that if your corn is even a foot tall, it's got roots that are down to 24 inches deep. Seriously. You, you will find, it's been surprising to me too, as I've dug over the years, how deep the roots can get early in the season. Anyway, where I'm going with all this is... If you have nitrogen in that range of, let's call it 6 inches to 24 inches, where in a normal soil test, you would not probably even detect that. You wouldn't test that. You're not sampling that deep. My point is, it's right now in season. You probably have some corn roots down to that depth, and you're going to have a lot more down to that depth. Plus, there's one other thing that does happen, especially in some heavier soils, and that's called capillary action where basically the water can kind of wick its way back up and I know it seems kind of weird but that's what happens is the water can actually move upward and it can bring nitrogen along with it and sulfur and boron and potassium to some degree okay so we usually like these 24 inch soil cores when we're out there doing these pre-cidrous nitrate tests okay as we start the show here I'll give you just Three other quick things. Weeds, number one thing I want you to think about is weed height. And so if you've been delayed because of rain or wind or whatever, and your weeds are starting to get big in corn and you still have to spray, you may consider upping the rate, changing the product, something else. At least please talk to your agronomist before you just go out and do the same normal thing, even though the weeds are above labeled height. Insects. There are a lot of them to scout for. I just tell you, be out in your fields because we don't know what bug is going to be the worst this year. So be scouting always. In terms of diseases, the one that I wanted to highlight today is tar spot. I was talking to some guys here just this morning, and I just said, I, I got to tell you, I know we've never sprayed here on our farm or in our area for tar spot before, but I'm really worried it's going to move over here into South Dakota this year. So I'm gearing up. I'm getting ready to spray when my corn's about, call it five feet tall, and then again about three weeks later. All right, we'll talk influencing yield now in corn. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. 
This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Warehouse, what can we do for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen. All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold. The answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today we're talking a little about influencing yield right now in corn. But again, even if you don't raise corn, a lot of these same principles are going to apply to just about any crop out there. First, we're going to talk a little bit of fertility. We've got Reed Abbott on with us. He is with AgriLiquid. Reed, how are you doing today? Doing fine. How are you doing, Brian? Excellent, but I don't like... The nitrogen price and that's the, probably the biggest thing that i'm hearing from farmers all over it's like well i want to add more nitrogen but man it's expensive so here's my question for you how can a farmer give himself or herself a better chance to make that nitrogen investment pay sure well i mean as you're talking about today on your program is you know what can we do right now and and uh you know, a lot of guys may have put out some nitrogen pre-plant or, or even didn't go as as much as they were thinking they were going to just to kind of see where their crop was. But uh, as as we speak, I'm standing here in our office looking out on a field of corn here in Michigan. We're in side dress time and, and uh, you know, taking a look at where we can side dress or try to get that, that side dress nitrogen a little bit closer to that row uh, to be a little bit more usable is, is certainly important. Um, another thing that we like to see guys do is is combine that with other complementary nutrients like maybe manganese or, or put a little bit of potassium or boron in there just to kind of complement that nitrogen balance that, that uh, program out and make that dollar go a little bit further. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up some of the other nutrients because I think they get forgotten quite often, especially in a year like this year where guys say, well, I've spent all my money on nitrogen. I don't have money for anything else. But sometimes you could spend a little bit less on the nitrogen and get even more response for the same exact dollar if you get a little, like you said, manganese, potassium, boron. The other one I'd mention is sulfur. I, I, I brought that up a little bit earlier in the show too, but we have a lot of people that they, they, they have tremendous need for sulfur. So I, I assume you're, you're probably talking to a lot of people about that, putting the sulfur together with the nitrogen, because most people need a lot of pounds of sulfur if they're going to raise a good crop. 
Absolutely. And, and sulfur uh, is, is an, again, another one of those that complements nitrogen. Uh, you know, those both kind of go into the plant together, serve a lot of the same metabolic functions. And so if you're deficient on sulfur, it doesn't matter how much nitrogen you're putting out there. Uh, those, those metabolic functions that, that are responsible or those nutrients are responsible for aren't getting the job done as efficiently as they could. So uh, making sure, again, for fertility, I mean, and this goes for all nutrients, is a balanced approach type thing. And so uh, it's, it's pretty easy to spend a little extra money on nitrogen. But when you take a look at that program as a whole, it's important to, to make sure all the pieces are there. I thought it was interesting that the first, I'll call it additional nutrient that you mentioned was manganese. What kind of soils are you seeing, where are you seeing more manganese deficiency or, or where would a farmer have a better chance to make that one in particular pay? Well, uh, you know, in particular, uh, a lot of your high pH soils uh, are going to generally run deficient for manganese or, or they have a more likelihood of running deficient. That's not a tried and true uh, answer. I mean, we'll uh, we'll see manganese deficiency in just the parent material of, of other soils around the country as well. Uh, I know, you know Western Kentucky uh, suffers from that. Right here in Michigan suffers from that. Uh, and so I, I do encourage guys to look at that manganese level and iron. Uh, manganese and iron kind of like to be in a a one to two relationship there. Uh, and so, you know, if, if that relationship's a little off, you might have to adjust that with a manganese application as well. Um, but, but then on top of that, corn and wheat both are crops that we see actually respond really well to manganese. A lot of your, your grass type crops, uh, you know, actually prefer uh, a good shot of manganese. So, uh, you know, again, it's going to be all driven off of, off of, soil test levels and, and kind of what those other nutrient relationships look like. But, uh, you know, if you are trying to make your nitrogen dollar go a little bit further, making sure that those complementary elements like sulfur and manganese, uh, you know, is going to really help to drive that efficiency, that nitrogen. Yeah, definitely. It was probably 10 or 15 years ago and some people started talking about, well, we think Roundup is tying up the manganese. So we ran studies and, I mean, we put on ridiculous amounts of Roundup. We couldn't find any tie-up. We, the more soil testing we got involved with and tissue testing with lots of farmers all over the place, the more we realized, you know what, it's not the Roundup tying up anything. It's just the fact we don't have a lot of manganese out there because not enough people are applying it. So let me ask you That's this. Right. How, how do you feel? You, you, so you, you mentioned side dress, but how do you feel about foliar feeding? Because we're, we are literally getting bombarded with questions right now about fertilizer applications, and a lot of people are asking about foliar feeding. What's your opinion of it, and how could we best use foliar feeding to get some gain? Well, uh, I mean, as a fertilizer salesman, I always like to, to hear guys talk about foliar, foliar feeding. I mean, it's, it's definitely another opportunity uh, for us to, to find our way into that, into yep. that tank. But uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly got its place and its fit, uh, in, in a guy's program. Um, you know, uh, I always like to have guys trying to push their yields using that foliar method rather than rescuing something, but, uh, used in the right place, there's, there's definitely a fit. Um, I would say taking a look at, at the, you know, at, at different products, making sure you're applying the correct product, looking for something that's less phytotoxic, uh, and then looking at, you know, not only timing, but time of the day that you're applying that. So, uh, you know, what that crop is doing, is it in vegetative or reproductive growth, and what the nutrients 
are in most demand at those times are uh, when when you're going out to apply those nutrients uh, is going to try to help you get that best response. Yeah, one of the things too, I guess I would bring up, and I know Darren talk, my brother Darren talks about this quite often, is just making sure the plant has ample moisture because if it's a drought situation and the leaves are starting to roll up and everything else, it's hard to get foliar fertilizer into the plant, and there are certain certain nutrients like phosphorus that don't go real well into the plant through the leaves, where as many of these other nutrients you mentioned, nitrogen and uh, potassium and stuff like that, you can actually get some of that into the plant that way. But I think the biggest thing I try to bring up to guys is, look, if you only need a little bit, you need a little touch, uh, then foliar feeding's fine. If you need like 50 pounds of something, um, foliar feeding's probably not going to work because you can't get that much into the plant in one shot, right? Absolutely. Yeah. If you're, if you're needing that much and needing it now, you're behind the eight ball already. And, and so, uh, I would, I would definitely be looking to put, put that out more soil applied, uh, you know, via a side dress or something. But, but yeah, if you're trying to, you know, just get that crop to the next level, uh, foliar feeding definitely has, has the option. I mean, if, if, uh, if the conditions are perfect and, and you're just trying to, to make that extra 10 or 15 bushel, um, there is definitely, like you said, potassium, nitrogen, some of your micros uh, are, are highly absorbable through those leaf tissues. So some of the really high-yield farmers, high-yield corn farmers that I've talked to have said, you got to make sure that the micronutrients are into that plant early on. The macronutrients, the nitrogen, sulfur, and potassium, you know, if you want to do some stuff later in the season, fine, but the micros need to be taken care of early. Have you found that to be true, or are you still using and getting some response from micronutrients later in the year? We we do uh, see some some responses depending on those micronutrients borons uh, for sure one of them that we see later yeah. on in the year yep. uh, being a leachable nutrient and one that's more responsible for reproductive growth but yeah by and large I mean we we do like to have a fairly healthy shot of that up front the micros up front and then yeah you can you can do some in season application work uh, with your mi- macronutrients you're in and your sulfur and your potassium. Uh, to to kind of spread that cost out and spread that that application out throughout the season. All right, we've been talking with Reed Abbott. He is with AgriLiquid. Reed, thanks a lot for the time today. Really appreciate your insight into this. Thanks a lot, Brian. You bet. Yeah, Reed brought up quite a few good points there, like with foliar feeding, the timing, the time of day, that kind of thing. You just don't want to have, if you are going to do some foliar feeding, you don't want that leaf rolled up. You don't want to be at a time of day where it's 95 degrees and 20% humidity or something like that. It's it's just harder to get the, the liquid the liquid fertilizer into the plant you see a lot more evaporation then before it even gets onto the plant and into the plant so just some things for you to be thinking about all right again we're talking today about influencing yield right now in corn and for that matter a bunch of other crops as well Uh, a lot of these other crops it's the same kind of discussion we're having with corn but if you've got a question for us you can certainly give us a call here 844-44-AG-PHD stay tuned we'll be right back Take a second and listen. You hear that? That's the sound of your roots growing where they've never gone before. There are additional nutrients and water in your soil, hidden in tough to reach spaces. With MycoApply Endoprime, hyphae attached to the root hairs to reach small areas inaccessible to big roots, even some that are tied up in the soil. 
applied in furrow at planting, Mycoapply Endoprime uses four, four unique species of mycorrhizal fungi to go where roots can't. Unlock the potential of your corn crop with Mycoapply Endoprime, and by nurturing your soil today, you're helping to ensure future harvest will be just as bountiful. For more information, talk to your local retailer or visit valent.com slash endoprime. Always read and follow label instructions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Maximum application flexibility. Maximum yields at harvest, whether or not. Relentless is the kind of control you'll always get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Low use rate Anthem Max Herbicide protects corn and soybean crops from the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses, including water hemp, palmer pigweed, foxtails, crabgrass, and more. Dual modes of action and lasting overlapping residuals also help you minimize resistance in your fields. Its easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window make Anthem Max Herbicide the crop protection choice that's ready when you are. Rain or shine. Weather or not, relentless, that's Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty. We're broadcasting today from the Morton studio. Just talking a little bit about influencing yield right now in corn. If you've got any questions for us, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. It's what Jim did, calling from South Dakota. Jim, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Fantastic. So I hear your corn's about two or three inches tall. Yeah. You're by yourself? I am today. Yep. Uh-oh. All right. <laughs> well, I don't know if I go with the uh-oh, but uh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 think I, I think I can handle it, Jim. So uh, I'll try to make it through one show without Darren. <laughs> I had your call screener laughing a little. So, uh, anyway, I said, uh-oh, the happy one's in. <laughs> don't give her some grief. But anyway, um, yeah, I talked to you a couple of weeks ago, sir. Yep. And um I was going to use that resin card, and then you told me to probably wait, so I did that, and I yep. took two D, Roundup, and a little bit of at. I know yep. I'm not Atrazine. supposed to use much atrazine before yep. it's up very tall, and it wasn't, wasn't this has been a, a heck hole for me. It's, it's flooded for a few years during the wet years, and getting her back in shape, and it's okay. got 
so much prolific weed coverage. Um, so I was going to probably put that reservoir down in the next few days. The corn's two, three inches tall. Yep. And the, the thistles, I don't know if I should add a little stinger or if the reservoir will do it. And also put a little more atrazine and uh, some Roundup. I got, I've got, i got some Roundup I got last fall, reasonably, from you guys. And uh, other stuff. So I guess okay. that's what I've got in my arsenal. I've got, got you. some two, uh, excuse me, Roundup. Atrazine and uh, the Resicor. Okay. Yep. Let's start with this. You sprayed 2,4-D. I'll be honest. I don't like 2,4-D in front of corn. I don't like it early post in corn. I know it's labeled, but I'd rather have you do dicamba instead of 2,4-D moving forward. The cost will be fairly similar. The weed control is slightly better with dicamba, and then I don't have the injury risk that I do with the 2,4-D. So that's, that's the first thing. So in the future, I'd cut 2,4-D completely out of the program if I'm going to plant corn. Okay, with this post-emerge spray with the Resicor, what Resicor is, it's Surpass, that's a group 15. It's the, got the active ingredient from Callisto, that's Mesotrial, and then it's got Stinger. So you're in luck. If thistles are your problem, this is your product. So you'll be fine oh. that way. Okay, and my, my concern for you is adding more atrazine. So how much atrazine did you start with and how much do you want to add now? One pint I put last time. Okay, so that's a half a pound. So uh, can I assume you're going to rotate to soybeans or are you going to rotate to corn or something no, else? No, I probably won't. It's rocky. It's an old pit, and it's terrible weedy. So I probably, I may not even, you know, Okay. I, I'm, that's a big concern of mine. Okay, so in South Dakota here, generally I'll tell guys half a pound is your limit. If you want to go back to soybeans, if you don't care, if you are fine going to corn or grain sorghum, then you can go clear up to two pounds if you wanted to technically. Now, I wouldn't advise you to do that, but if you wanted to throw another half a pound in right now, that would be fine. Even a quarter pound will help the mesotrione in the Resicor work better. So I'm fine if you want to add a little bit of atrazine to it, but just keep in mind, in my opinion, I would not plant soybeans then next year. Okay. And that would be about two pints, I imagine, instead of a quarter pound. Uh, so if we're talking atrazine, one pound mm-hmm. is a quart. So a half a pound is oh. a pint. Oh. So a half a pint would be a quarter pound. Okay. Yep. Right. Okay. Okay. And um, that would work. And then round, should I throw the roundup in there then you think or not, Brian? Uh, that's up to you. If you've got grass, um, it, it would definitely help you on that. And it would also help on a whole bunch of broadleaves because you said you got a lot out there. So I'm guessing you have many I of those broadleaves that are not resistant to Roundup at this point. So you certainly could right. throw Roundup in if you want to. Uh, a quart enough to get a decent kill? Well, that's, that's, that's the highest labeled rate. Uh, and yes, you can do that. So, I mean, I'm assuming we're talking six pound here. And yes, you can run a court. No, no, it's, it's that Buccaneer stuff I get from the, okay, so, the guys that have the radio show. <laughs> okay, so if, yeah, so you technically could run a higher rate than that, but you've got a pretty decent weed control program already when you have effectively Callisto, Stinger, and Atrazine all out there. So it's not super necessary to help on most broadleaves, but if you want to go a little higher, you certainly can. Otherwise, I would probably do a quart if I was you. Okay. All right. And then uh, as far as the rain coming, should this stuff, to get that Our. reservoir have a residual? Yeah. You're okay. going to, yeah. But I mean, 
hour before rain, and uh, you're you're going to be fine. And as far as residual, yes, Stinger has residual. Atrazine has residual. The mesotrione has residual. The group 15 has residual. You got all kinds of stuff there that have residual. Okay, maybe I'll get by this last sprayer once more. Then okay. <laughs> well, let's well, thank hope you so. very much. You bet. Thanks, Jim. Is Darren okay? He's all right. He, he's doing just fine. Just uh, had to go to some All meetings right. here uh, today, tomorrow, and Thursday. So, yep. So I got three days where it's just me in the radio studio. So we'll see if he calls in or not. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think we're going to hear from him today. Maybe we'll hear from him tomorrow, though. We'll get yeah. an update. All you're, right. You're the big. You're the big brother. You can handle it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot for your help. I'll, I'll I'll try my best. Thanks, Jim. All right. Next on the show, we got Ron Geis with us. He is with Corteva. Ron, how are things going in Iowa today? You know, pretty good, Brian. I just made a zigzag from west to east and going back back again. Corn looks pretty good, and so do the beans. Good, but they're kind of they're kind of screaming for a little nitrogen right now. <laughs> yeah, so there are a lot of ways to do this, and with Corteva, I know you've got a couple different products, whether it's a nitrogen stabilizer or your new Utricia N. So tell us a little bit about the Utricia. I'm, I'm curious about that and what you're recommending for that here this summer. Well, Utricia is uh, a bacteria. It's a living bacteria. And as such, um, we, when we think about the nitrogen um, that's in the air, every, every breath that that plant takes takes in 78% nitrogen. It'd just be nice if we could somehow utilize that in the plant. And that's what Utricia and does brian it's um it it converts the bacteria it colonizes within the plant converts that bacteria into a usable form into the um, ammonia form so that plants can actually utilize some of that atmospheric and okay so one of the big questions i've had about these bacteria products is if let's say I felt like I needed a hundred more pounds of nitrogen to get the crop yield mm-hmm. that I'm expecting, should I cut my rate of nitrogen back and then substitute this as part of it? Or should I say, okay, I'm going to put my hundred pounds of anon and I'm going to use this. And now I'm going to raise my yield goal. That the, the latter is the way uh, we look at, at you, Trisha and Brian, we're gonna we're looking at uh, at not a hundred pounds of, of nitrogen fixation. It's probably going to be in a in the in a fourth of that. But why not uh, reset your yield goal uh, based on the fact that we're able to get some spoon fed nitrogen into those plants? So the so, way we're going to do that is apply this as a foliar spray. We and, and in order to get a good foliar spray, you know, let's let's look at some of the things necessary to make that happen. First off, uh, we, let's make sure we have foliage to get to get the spray on. Uh, we don't want to be spraying a crop when most of that spray hits the ground. We want most of that spray to hit the hit the crop. Yep. So we would recommend typically like a V4 to V8 stage. Uh, later, the wider your rows get, you know, this is a good uh, rule of thumb. But early enough that that it gives more time for more colonization and more nitrogen fixation. I think a second uh, important factor is that Utricia N is going to enter into the plant stomata. So we want to apply when the stomata are open, which is uh, the earlier in the morning, the better. And that's where we get uh, better uptake through those stomata. Um, 
and then uh, I'm, I'm going to say, finally, let's make sure our water's in the right condition. Um, it's a living bacteria. So if you've got chlorine in your water, you, I mean, chlorine's job <laughs> is to kill bacteria. So right. you don't want to kill this off. Yep. Uh, I, I believe there's a product called BioPrep that I think you've got the corner on the market there, Brian. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the BioPrep can take that chlorine, turn it into chloride, so in effect your foliar feeding. Hey, Ron, I got a couple more questions for you. If you wouldn't mind hanging on through the break, I'd appreciate that. Sure thing. All right, sounds good. Stay tuned. We'll talk more about corn right after this. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And right before the break, we're talking with Ron Geis from Corteva or with Corteva 
And uh, Ron, I didn't get a chance to ask you about, we were talking about you, Trisha, there, uh, your living bacteria product that Corteva has, but I didn't get a chance to ask you about nitrogen stabilizers. So we get a lot of questions about nitrogen stabilizers, especially in a year like this when the nitrogen price is really high. But what I wanted to mm-hmm. know your opinion on is what what's kind of my cutoff here? So in other words, let's say I only wanted to put a few pounds of nitrogen on and I'm mid-season, my crop's already running short. I, I mean, a lot of times then I don't know that the nitrogen stabilizer is going to pay nearly as well as opposed to like on our farm where I get to put a big dose on and the corn's pretty small mm-hmm. yet. Uh, so do you have any type of guidance you could give a person in terms of when I should use a nitrogen stabilizer and when I shouldn't? I always like the stabilizer when you put on your biggest dose of nitrogen because you are uh, stabilizing the soil or basically the bacteria in the soil. So you've got to use the same rate, whether it's a whole bunch of nitrogen or a tiny little amount of nitrogen. Uh, 50 units of N seems to be, you know, sort of your tipping point. Above 50 units uh, probably pays to, uh, to put a stabilizing product like um, an Instinct in with your urea or your uh, liquid nitrogen uh, and serve in with your anhydrous. You start getting below that, um, then there should have been the stabilizer in the sooner, you know, in the in the other application that was a higher nitrogen amount. Sure. Yep. Gotcha. But yeah, if I'm trying to protect the nitrogen from volatilizing away, getting getting lost above ground, you know, we put that on, you know, so much per ton. So if I'm using lower amounts, then you spend a little less money on it, and that, you know, so that stays in sync no matter what your amount is. Uh, we are introducing the new Pennant Max uh, TG this year, a very limited supply, but next year we should have a, a much better supply of that. If, if applications at this time of year, you're concerned about uh, volatilizing away before you get the rainfall to put it into the soil. Okay, so let's step back. And basically what you're talking mm-hmm. about here is we got different types of losses we have to worry about. Volatilization, definitely different than denitrification or leaching. So in other words, make sure you pick the right product. And if you're going to be worried about the, the leaching component, then you're really thinking more about treating the soil rather than the uh, than if you're doing the volatility, uh, trying to protect from volatility, because then you're really focused on how many pounds you've got of actual in. Yeah, you've stated that very well, Brian, better than I did. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. But anyway, uh, we've been talking with Ron Geis here with Corteva. Ron, thanks a lot for the time today. Really appreciated uh, talking a little about nitrogen here. You bet. Thank you, Brian. Yep. All right. Next on the show, we got Austin Edwards with us. He is from over in Illinois, and he's with DeKal Basgro as a technical agronomist. Austin, how are you today? I'm good. How are you today? It's a beautiful day in in Illinois. How's the crop looking over there? Oh, we've got a nice nice looking crop. We uh, got a little bit of rain in the northern part of Illinois, but uh, where I'm at here in East Central Illinois. We're getting a, a touch dry, but it's uh, we got a good-looking stand of corn and, and beans both. All right, so our topic today is influencing yield right now in corn. So, like in your area, how tall would that corn be? Uh, we're looking at a lot of corn V4 to V6. Okay. Uh, it's probably where, where a chunk of it is. We had one planting window or one primary planting window, so it all happened pretty quick. Sure. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of our corn is V4 right now, so we're pretty close, just a little bit behind you. So what are you talking to farmers about right now to impact that yield? 
Yeah, we're, we're looking, uh, you know, a lot of guys are running around right now starting to spray some corn. Uh, we're, we've got a lot of side dressing going on and there, there's a lot of deficiencies going on out here. Um, you know, we're, 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 I'm a big proponent of sulfur, uh, and, yep. and pushing sulfur. And, um, you know, th- there, there is a ton of sulfur deficiency showing up around these, this area. So we've, we've talked a lot about sulfur and managing for that. Uh, maybe trying to get into a side dress application here, uh, moving forward or, or at least planning for next year and trying to get, trying to get more sulfur moving. Yeah, the good thing is when you talk about planning for next year, and I'm always in favor of that, but we can really impact that yield still this year with that sulfur because it does move fairly well in soil. So have you had better luck putting it on with the side dress as opposed to anything foliar or any other application method? Yeah, I, you know, a lot of the guys that I'm that I'm working with, we're, we're doing a, a two-pass application uh, trying to maybe put some down weed and feed, put something down early, and then coming back in and side dressing it. Um, those would be the two primary ways that that uh, that I'm pushing. Sure. Uh, I haven't done as much foliar as as maybe just not as much experience with it <laughs> as some might have, but uh, that's definitely another way to get at it. Yeah, it is. It's just in a lot of cases we need quite a few pounds, so the side dress makes a lot of sense. Now you brought up weeds and spraying. Are there any weed issues you see this year that are any different than normal? Is there anything, let's say, exceptionally out of control that isn't usually? Uh, I'm seeing more morning glory going on uh, right now for for some reason. I haven't quite totally got that figured out. I was uh, helping out doing some side dressing and uh, running over some corn there. And, and man, there was a ton of morning glory coming through. And uh, a couple of retailers I've been working with are saying they're seeing seen a lot of the same thing um so that that's one that uh that just kind of thrown me off just a little bit um and then and then our winter annual pressure was was just impressive <laughs> this year it was it was yep. really really high yep. so uh that, that that's just something that uh as i'm going through and talking with guys you know they were making different applications or, or changing their mind on their chemistry programs they were running uh this year kind of right at the last minute because there was so much winter annual pressure Okay, let me ask you about diseases and spraying fungicide here coming up. I assume most people in your area usually spray a fungicide. Is that true? You know, they did last year. <laughs> there was a lot more sprayed last year than uh, than before. But, yeah, we, we get a pretty large chunk of these growers are, are spraying fungicide. And quite frankly, there's a fair amount of them trying some, uh, you know, V5 time frame fungicide as well. So why were there more people that sprayed last year? Is there more disease pressure, more yield potential? What was it? Better price? Both. Yeah. All the above, I would say. Our, our tar spot came in yeah. really heavy here last year. We had a ton of rain. You know, our, our average rainfall was just through the roof uh, last year. So there, there was a lot of guys that sprayed, and it paid really well uh, to spray fungicide at, at around that tassel time. Uh, there was a lot of information, too, that would have showed that uh, some of the crown rot issues that we fought last year may have helped out. Uh, a V5 application may have helped out with some of that as well. Uh, so I'm seeing more V5 applications going out uh, than I have in the past. Yeah, well, when the crop price is this good, there's there's a lot of incentive yeah. to get yeah. that right. All right, last question I got for you, insects. Any insects that mm-hmm. guys have been treating for? Even I'll throw spider mites into that along with insects. So are, are guys, when they're out spraying fungicide, especially at tassel time, are they are they targeting any insects or mites? Uh, we don't a lot. 
here, um, but I would say that most of our guys are throwing some insecticide in with their pass. You know, they're going across the field and, hey, throw it in there. Prices are good. Let's protect against anything that we can. And uh, I see that a lot. Um, insect pressure in the past hasn't been too heavy for us, luckily. Um, yep. doesn't say it's not going to happen this year, but um, that, that's something that, uh, that most guys do throw it in, though. Yeah, it doesn't take a lot of insects to reach an economic threshold when you've got the crop price that there is today and the yield potential. Because what kind of yields are, are a lot of the guys you're working with? What kind of yields are they going for? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, our, our, we're getting a lot of guys on some of these better acres in East Central Illinois pushing that 250 bushel mark yeah. uh, pretty regularly. Yep. And, uh, you know, so they're going to they're gonna throw the book at it. Yeah, you start running the math on that at even $7 corn, <laughs> and especially if it gets to $8 corn, it's like, whoa, there's a lot of potential there. So a lot to protect yeah. this year on the farm. Well, we've been talking with Austin Edwards. He's with the Calabasgro over in Illinois. Austin, thanks a lot for the time today. This was great. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. You bet. All right. We've been talking about influencing yield right now in corn, and hopefully some of those things that we mentioned you can apply to other crops as well. I think weed control, insect control, disease control, fertility. Yep. Just about any crop you're going to raise, anything you're going to do, we got to be thinking about all those things. If you've got any questions for us, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. Otherwise, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag next, where we answer your questions. Stay tuned. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? 
With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product, it's peace of mind knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. All right, for our first question today, this is involving Enlist in Enlist Soybeans. Now, I don't have a name or a location. So I would just say for any of our listeners out there, if, if you are listening today and you'd ever like to ask us a question, you can call us anytime. You can email us anytime. We'll, we'll try to uh, get you an answer, at least fairly timely, if you send us an email. But if you can, it's real helpful when you tell us where you're from. Oh, and at least give us your first name. We don't. It's not like we're going to share, you know, all your pertinent information over the radio or anything. But it, it's so helpful for us to know what the location is because sometimes. Um, just knowing the area, we might know a little bit better in terms of rainfall or just temperature, that kind of thing. Okay, so here's the question. He says, I'm spraying beans. I assume it's a he, he, she, whatever. Uh, spraying beans planted in corn on corn that went down last year. Now, I sprayed clethodim uh, and dual already. I'm going to run another pass with my adjuvant along with Enlist, PowerMax, so Roundup Power Max and three pounds of ammonium sulfate. I can run either ULD 120-04 or ULD 120-05. I can run 20 to 80 pounds of pressure. I usually go 40 to 60, depending on speed and nozzle. On the Enlist site, it says 10 to 15 gallons of water. Now, since I'm using Power Max, am I better at the 10 gallons per acre rather than the 15? And uh, should I run higher or lower pressure, which is best? I'm thinking 15 gallons to the acre, 60 pounds of pressure, 3 pounds of ammonium sulfate. Okay, so personally, I'd probably just go 10 gallons. It depends a lot on how big that crop is and how big the weeds are. The bigger everything is, the more water you may need to get down below that canopy. But just understand this. Anytime you're using Roundup, it does not work as well as you raise the water volume. We really never like, if again, if we want that Roundup to work well, we never like that water volume to exceed 10 gallons to the acre. And the reason why is because you don't have as concentrated a droplet. It's the same kind of principle with Enlist. Now, let's say you were spraying Liberty or Gramoxone or Buctrel or Bass Grant. All those are contact killers, and you want more water, more pressure. You want to cover, you want to coat that plant as much as possible to get the best control. That's not really necessary with Enlist and PowerMax, especially when the crop is relatively small. So I would say, I, I, if it's me, I'm going 10 gallons. Would I go 60 pounds of pressure? You don't have to go that high if you want to. That's fine. I, I'm okay with that. A lot of times we're running 40 to 50. 
All right, next one here is from Brett in Iowa, and he t he just forwarded on something that he had received, uh, and, and his comment, Brett's comment is, FYI, what you already knew. So here is the email. It says, glyphosate is not a carcinogen. This is from the European Chemicals Agency, and it was just posted here about a week ago. However, they did say that Roundup can cause serious eye damage and is toxic to aquatic life. Now, I want you to think about this. Will the active ingredient do that? I don't think so. But in order to formulate Roundup, they have to put other things in there, emulsifiers. and I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that goes into any chemistry that there is. So don't ever forget that. Sometimes it's not just the active ingredient we're talking about. It's all the other stuff. But yeah, we've said this for years. It's been proven for 50 plus years in the United States. Glyphosate is not a carcinogen. Don't listen to the nonsense that's out there. Now, that does not mean that we want to take a bath in Roundup or any pesticide. Use personal protective equipment. Be careful so it doesn't get on you. Use these products in the right way, the way they are labeled. And you should be real safe. Next thing, this one comes from, uh, let's see, Tim, executive director with uh, Groundworks Midwest. And he just said um, we had uh, someone on the show, and I don't remember, I know Darren was talking to someone with Groundworks about the South Dakota Ag in the Classroom program, and they were going to have a uh, an event, an ag conference, an education ag conference, June 8th and 9th in Brookings. That is postponed, so he just wanted me to mention that. So that is what I'm doing. All right, next email here. This one is from Phil in Wisconsin who says, I have a question about growing corn and wondering what I can use besides atrazine for residual because in my area you're not able to use atrazine. So what can I use? All right, so Phil in corn... Right now, there are a lot of people spraying HPPD products. That could be like Callisto, Loudus, Impact, Amazon, or anything containing an HPPD that does have good residual. Stinger is another one that has good residual, especially on thistles, but it helps on a number of other broadleaf weeds as well. Group 15s are really popular. That'd be things like Dual, Outlook, Harness, Surpass, Zidua, and that's it got lots of residual on grass, and it does help on broadleaves too. So a lot of times people are doing either a tank mix or they're using a premixed product that might contain all of those. So a little bit earlier in the show, we were talking to Jim from South Dakota who's using Resicor just as an example. And there are lots of products out there, okay? But Resicor has a Group 15 and HPPD and Stinger all in the same premix. So just a thought for you, and those are some of the things that you could use that would give you some residual. All right, next one is from Lawrence down in Kansas, and he says, My spray guy called and said that he isn't sure how to handle grass in this year's grain sorghum. We didn't get a post-plant pre-emerge spray on because of the rain. He told me to call my guys in South Dakota. Okay, so Lawrence, if you have grass post-emerge in grain sorghum, the only thing that's going to take it once it's up is facet L. That's it. So uh, that was the old Paramount. It used to be called Paramount. And it, it it's good. It just it costs a fair amount of money. I mean, off the top of my head, I'm going to say it's 15 bucks an acre or something like that. So anyway, that would be our suggestion for you there. And uh, thanks for, it looks like uh, he sent a bunch of in, other information uh, talking about rain and um, 
uh, minimal runoff with some of the big rains. And uh, hopefully, Lawrence, you're getting enough rain to have a great crop. And when things uh, do dry out for you, you can get this facet L sprayed pretty quickly. All right. In terms of nitrogen, um, I, I just say this. We have an app. So if you go to the Ag PhD fertilizer removal app. It's a free download uh, for your smartphone or your tablet. You can just plug in uh, your, your sorghum crop and you can take a look at that there. So I'm not, I'm not going to run through all that. We're kind of running out of time here today, but just go through, okay, what's my yield goal? And this is how many total pounds I need. Just don't forget if you had already applied some, if you had some carryover uh, nitrogen. And then also remember that organic matter in the soil does release some nitrogen every year. So I usually figure 20 to maybe even as much as 30 pounds uh, per percent of organic matter. So for example, we've got a little bit of our ground that has 5% organic matter. So that's 100 to 150 pounds of nitrogen we can get out for free every year. All right. Uh, our last question of the day comes from uh, Joe in Brazil. And he says, we've got uh, 60% colonite clay, 8 to 10 CEC. We double crop soybeans and corn every year. Boy, um, sometimes we're happy to just be able to raise one crop a year. I really wish I could raise two. Anyway, he says, we're currently harvesting 67 bushel beans and 164 bushel corn on irrigated ground. What would you recommend for P and K levels in the soil if I wanted 89 bushel beans and 230 bushel corn? Our soil tests are on two and a half acre grids, and I've sent those to you. We're running a Malik 1 test. Okay. So, Joe, the first thing I'll tell you is the Malik 1 test is going to show a little bit lower in a lot of cases than what the Malik 3 test is that we use. All right. So, I'll, I'll talk about Malik 3 numbers. Just understand your numbers could be a little bit lower. On our farm, your yield goals are similar to my yield goals. Um, I, I'd like to get 80 bushel beans. You're, you're talking 89. I'd like to get 230 bushel corn. In fact, I'm hoping for more than that even. And I'm shooting for 100 parts per million of phosphorus on a Malik 3 test. So again, your number could be a little bit less. Um, the difference between your farm and mine is rainfall and soil type. So since you get a lot more rain, both the natural and irrigated combined, and have lighter soil, again, 8 to 10 CEC, whereas a lot of mine is going to be in the 15 to 25 range. Your soil can't hold the K like ours can. So therefore, I'd try to keep your base saturation K level at 6 to 8% at the start of the season. Most years right now are at 4, so I just bumped that a little bit. But then the big thing here is I'd add some more potassium one time in season in each crop you raise. Uh, the other things that I noticed on your soil test were you were really low on, on pH. With a 5 pH, you're giving up yield, and our data shows you're hurting your corn yield more than your soybean yield. And I think that's maybe why your corn yield is lower than what we would normally figure for that kind of soybean yield that you're getting. So if you can get that pH at least up into the sixes, that's going to help you a bunch. Thanks for the question. Appreciate that. All right, before we go, just want to say thanks to our production staff. My sister Janelle was running the controls today. Uh, thanks to all our guests and everyone who called or wrote in questions. We appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.